What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you. Hope you had a good weekend, reflecting on a Buffalo Bills win over the Carolina Panthers with so many positive takeaways, as we discussed on the Saturday show this past week. So if you if you missed it, I got you a Saturday recap show. If you're looking for Panthers-Bills takeaways, you've come to the wrong place. That happened on Saturday. Go back and listen to that today. We're going to go through another 53-man roster projection, and I've got my buddy Bruce Nolan on to do it with me. And him and I are going to go position by position and come to a consensus prediction as to who we think will be on the 53-man roster as of today. Obviously, there's two weeks of preseason left. A lot can change, but uh, this is a good opportunity to pause and reflect as to where things are as we see it right now. Bruce, welcome. How are we doing? Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic, man. A weekend after a Bills win is the best kind of weekend, so I'm good. <laughs> Even the preseason, man, it just, it just makes the week better. So um, you guys know Bruce, obviously. He's been on the show a handful of times. You can find him on Twitter, at Bruce Exclusive, the co-host of the Nick and Nolan, excuse me, of the Nick and Nolan show on Buffalo Rumblings. Uh, make sure that you are checking that show out each and every Wednesday. It's a priority of my week. It should be yours as well. Bruce, let's dig into this thing, starting with quarterbacks. What we'll do is work through the entire position group, and we're going to identify the non-negotiable locks. These guys are on the team, and then we'll work our way back through and sort out the bottom of the roster. At quarterback, this is Josh Allen and Matt Barkley. I think that's pretty much the consensus, right? Yeah, I don't see any other way you could slice this aside from Josh Allen and Matt Barkley. And are you Tyree Jackson can be on the practice squad, or are you nervous about him running a scout team and it's time for him to think about playing tight end? Well, you know, if you watch Tyree Jackson play with the third, fourth stringers, I made a comment on Twitter during the game that Tyree Jackson was actively hurting their ability to be able to evaluate offensive players because he's not capable of running the offense the way it needs to be. Practice squad isn't just about taking these raw, athletic profile sort of players and developing them over time. That's not the only purpose of a practice squad. You also have to be competent enough to be able to run a game plan and run a scout team and run an offense and allow you to evaluate the other things. And I'm not entirely sure he is. At this point, I'm leaning toward Tyree Jackson not getting on the practice squad. I mean, unless you want to carry two quarterbacks on a practice squad, Mm -hmm. which I'm not really inclined to do. So because of the fact that he's his presence is not going to allow me to evaluate the other offensive skill positions, I'm going to go with no. Yeah, and if he can't help you evaluate other skill positions, he's not going to give you a good look on scout team offense. And you remember Jeff Tool, like he even went to the point of dressing like the opposing team starting quarterback. When you're a practice squad quarterback, that is your life. It's replicating what that quarterback does that you're facing that week and making sure that your defense gets the right looks. That could be a big ask for Tyree Jackson. Honestly, the physical skill set's obvious, but it's not a quarterback. And I think the sooner he starts uh, embracing a transition to tight end, the better chance he has of sticking in the NFL. Bruce, who are your locks at running back? I have one on the sheet, as you can see. It's Devin Singletary. Uh, anyone else that you feel comfortable right now just bumping right up into that? These guys are in the mix. I think Frank Gore's a lock. Okay, uh, let, let, let's, let's, let's go with Frank Gore. I think that if Sean McDermott was building a running back, he would build one that, that looks like Frank Gore, <laughs> not just from a functional standpoint, not just from a uh, shades of Jonathan Stewart sort of stylistic play standpoint, but also a leadership standpoint, a locker room standpoint. 
Sean McDermott could darn well adopt Frank Gore. I mean, that's just kind of the kind of way that the two of them respond to each other and the kind of chemistry that they have. I think he's more of a lock than Shady, and I think Shady's absolutely a lock. All right, I think Shady's a lock too, so let's go ahead and bump him up as well. So we have three locks at running back, Devin Singletary, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy. I think we can move on at this point. Absolutely. Okay, unless you think Patrick DeMarco is really safe. We'll get to it. All right, we'll get to it. Wide receiver. I'm taking unilateral control of wide receiver, and that's because the Nick and Nolan show this Wednesday is all about wide receiver six, and I want to make sure that you guys uh, tune into that and get the full rundown of that podcast. Bruce, tell us about what the plan is for Wednesday on the Nick and Nolan show. Well, it's been a hotly debated topic. At first, we thought it was a one-horse race. Then we thought it was a two-horse race. Now we're thinking it might be a three-horse race or a four-horse race. David Sills got a little bump. Throughout the offseason, there's been an ebb and flow of public opinion on this spot. And so Nick and I thought it would be a good idea to just take the entire episode and just focus on that one roster spot. Dive deep into the usual or unusual suspects, as they may be, and see what we think, where we stand along the wide receiver six conundrum. And then, of course, you get into the whys, like, why are we even focusing on wide receiver six? Is there going to be six? Would the team even bother to keep seven? Just because mm. the wide receiver six is so interesting. So we're going to take some time. We're going to dive into it. I think people are going to like it. So don't miss it. I have unilateral control over wide receivers, and I've put five in there. I've got Cole Beasley, John Brown, Zay Jones, Robert Foster, and Andre Roberts. Bruce, can we at least agree that those are the five locks? Absolutely. If you paid attention to Sean McDermott today talking about Andre Roberts, he speaks of Andre Roberts in incredibly glowing terms. Andre Roberts was was doing well in blocking. I noticed that. I made a note during my, my during the preseason game uh, against the Panthers about his blocking. And you combine that with the fact that he's gotten praise from Sean McDermott. He's been running with the ones. He's the returner. And it's cheaper to keep him than to cut him. There's absolutely lock for Andre Roberts. I'd make an argument he's safer than Robert Foster at this point. Yeah. Okay. So we're on the same page there. I'll sort out the bottom of that as we come back around. Uh, tight end, Bruce. Any any locks non non worthy of our discussion? They're making the team. Tyler Croft's making the team. Uh, yeah. I, 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 the, with the contract they gave him, they intended for him to come in and stabilize the position. I don't know if they intended to come in and be a crazy weapon because that's, he's never been a crazy weapon. He doesn't have the athletic profile of being someone who's got untapped potential. But they looked at this and said, "Hey, we need stabilization at this position." If they wanted the crazy weapon, that's where you turn to Dawson Knox, who is also a lock, because Dawson Knox has the athletic profile to be something special. He's absolutely a lock. I think Lee Smith is a lock based on the contract they gave him, based on the fact that he does something that the other tight ends don't do, and not just because of my personal affinity for him and the fact that he made my all-drought team. I think we should leave it right there. I, I really do believe Tommy Sweeney is a lock as well. But we'll come back to that. Right now, we've got three tight ends. All right, moving on to offensive line. I'll take the lead here on my locks. Cody Ford is a second-round pick, is a lock for this roster. Deion Dawkins, who's going to be the starting left tackle, is a lock for this roster. John Feliciano, the versatile interior offensive lineman, is a lock for this roster, in my opinion. Any disagreements there before I continue? Absolutely not. Okay, all right. I will continue plowing some guys on here. Quentin Spain has been a fixture at left tackle since he stepped on this team. He's a lock. Ty Secchi is an absolute lock. Mitch Morse, the highest paid center in football in his first year with the Buffalo Bills, is a lock. 
I think that's where I think I, I stop in terms of absolute locks, even though we're going to come back and add several players. So that puts it at one, two, three, four, five, six locks at offensive line. And we'll probably sort out a couple more uh, on the way back before we get to the offensive line, actually the defensive line. I need to tell you about the locked on NFL podcast. It is on fire last week. It was one of the most listened to NFL shows on the entire network. With the expert analysis of former NFL Scott Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock, Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. Bruce and I will be right back after this. All right, Bruce, time for the defensive tackles. I'll let you have lead here on the non-negotiable locks. I think this might be the easiest position on the entire roster to say that the locks are pretty much the final four to make the roster. And that is Ed Oliver, Star, Latulule, Jordan Phillips, and the other Phillips brother, Harrison. I think that those four, not only are they locks, they're the only ones who are going to make the roster. I think this is the easiest position to even to prognosticate. Case closed. We're done talking defensive tackles. We have four making the team. And it's also interesting because you have a guy like Shaq Lawson, you have Lorenzo Alexander. Both can rush from the interior as well. So while four may seem lean, it's really not because you have guys that can play inside as well on those rushdowns. I think that'll be end the defensive tackle discussion for this podcast. Uh, at defense event, I'll take the lead here. I have Jerry Hughes. I have Shaq Lawson. I have Trent Murphy, another player that Sean McDermott spoke glowingly about today in his press conference about him being comfortable with his knee and him not even thinking about it. And I really didn't like him for going too far up the field on that one. Was it fourth and two? But then he he bounced back with a great sack on the next series in the preseason game against Carolina. I think that's it for definite locks right now, uh, unless you have anyone you want to add to the mix. No, the fact that we're arguing about D.E. Ford sorry, DE4, and it comes back and forth. Gosh, it'd be nice if we had D Ford. The fact <laughs> that we're arguing about the fourth defensive end spot means it's not a lock. So three are locks. We're going to argue about the fourth one. All right. Uh, you take the lead on linebacker. Okay. So starting three, Alexander, Edmonds, Milano, locks. The depth gets a little foggy here, but I think we can agree the three of them are locks. Yeah, and, and that's that might be it for now because sort, this is the hardest position, Bruce. Sorting out these next few guys uh, is, is challenging, and I think we should save that for the way back around. Yeah, let's you're, do it. You're a bit of a secondary savant, so I'm going to let you take the lead here on corner and safety for both of the locks. Okay, so <clears throat> Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, Taron Johnson, Kevin Johnson, Saran Neal. Absolute locks. The fact that we're classifying Saran Neal as a corner now instead of a safety as we were at the beginning of this offseason is something that has not gotten the, the attention that I think it deserves. We came into this offseason with Saran Neal saying, hey, you know, he's got to take a step up to be a backup safety. And then all of a sudden, he was running as a big nickel. He was getting really good play. He was playing really well. And now he's a lock at a position that he didn't start the offseason at, which I think is impressive. Yeah, no question. He's a player that he's been my like breakout guy all summer long for people that's listening to this podcast. They know that. And to see him get some run with the ones and then situationally with, you know, with the twos and just being able to play the matchups with him. I think it's really exciting. He's on all the special teams. He's going to play a big role for this football team. So that's five initial non-negotiable locks with 
cornerback, and that shifts us over to safety. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. We can get into discussions about the backups, but I think Hyde and Poyer are clearly the two locks. Okay, I am with you there. I will take control of special teams. Uh, Reed Ferguson is the long snapper, is a lock. Steven Hauschka is your kicker for the Buffalo Bills. Hopefully we're not concerned about that uh, moving forward. I know he's had a shaky end to 2018 and, of course, the two missed field goals so far this preseason. But I don't think Sean McDermott is nearly as worried about it as some of Bill's mafia. Let's go ahead and be done with special teams here. We got to pick a punter. I thought Corey Carter won round two. And that started the shift of him kind of being the holder for Steven Hauschka and, uh, and you know, being the first punter out on the field against Carolina. But then I thought Corey Baroque's one punt compared to Corey Carter's two punts versus Carolina was better. So I still think it's Corey Carter's, you know, he kind of has the leg up there, pun intended. Um, but we got to settle on one. And if I had to settle on one right now, I'd go with Corey Carter. I would do the same. I also wouldn't necessarily dismiss the idea that the Bills opening day punter might not be on the roster. Sure. Sure. Yeah, there's no question. But for now, we've got to fill it with somebody named Corey. I think we both kind of slightly agree that it's Corey Carter more than Baroquez. And that ends the discussion on special teams. So we have four defensive tackles and three specialists. Those conversations are finished. We have 39 of 53 roster spots filled as we shift gears now to the in-depth discussion on settling out the final 14 spots on this football team. But before Bruce and I do that, I want to tell you about Locked On Fantasy Football. Make sure that you are listening to Vinny Iyer on the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else because then you're the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Check out Locked On Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. It's time to make some tough decisions right after this. All right, Bruce, I felt like we kind of could have done this already. Quarterback is a done discussion, right? They're keeping two, and it's Matt Barkley, Josh Allen, two quarterback, that's it. Absolutely. All right, so we are locked in at quarterback. We're locked in at defensive tackle. We're locked in at specialist. And now it's time to sort out this running back situation. I think there's spots for two more. Are you in agreement there or you think it's one more? I think there's spots for two more, but I think one of them is basically locked up and it's Patrick DeMarco. Okay. I agree with you. That was like a discussion early in the summer with Bill's mafia. And I think everyone kind of gets it. Patrick DeMarco's a big time leader for this football team. He does fill that fullback role when they want to use it. And he plays a ton of special teams. I think he's making this football team. Absolutely. And people will come back and say, hey, you know, we only ran fullback 16, 17 percent of the time. My response to that is, OK, great. So for those 16 percent of those snaps, who's going to be the fullback then without DeMarco? You're, you're, you're going to just completely cut out 16 percent of your playbook or you're going to throw a tight end back in there like Tyler Croft, who's never done it, like right. Dawson Knox, who's never done it, like Lee Smith, who did it like twice. I just I don't see a path to not having a fullback on this roster. I think if DeMarco were to suffer a serious injury tomorrow, I think they would go out and sign a fullback because I think the positional value is there, even if it's not just Patrick DeMarco being a leader and being good on special teams. Let's talk Christian Wade for a second here, Bruce. I know that you've tweeted a lot about this over the weekend, and um, people are excited about Christian Wade. I get it. There's a lot of kind of unknown potential there. He's had two really explosive plays, but – can you set the tone here for what the reality is with Christian Wade and what his chances are of making this team is 
and bring the practice squad discussion in and just educate everyone on the reality of this situation. I am all aboard team running backs are replaceable. You can find running backs in a bunch of different places. You, you, hey, you can find them in London, apparently. But the point is that Christian Wade doesn't know how to play football. Christian Wade doesn't know how to take a handoff. Christian Wade doesn't know how to run a route. Christian Wade doesn't know how to pass protect. Christian Wade doesn't know that he, when he crosses the goal line, you don't have to kick the extra point from that spot. The fact that Christian Wade has a spot open for him on the practice squad and an extra slot for eligibility is not the only reason why he's going to attempted to be moved to the practice squad from the bills. Even if it wasn't there, he would still not have a path to the roster on the 53 because I don't trust him to do any of the things that are nuanced about running backs. I understand that running back, you know, we can talk about the replaceability of that, but there's still nuance to this game and people spend five, 10, 15 years of their life learning this position and learning this game, it's almost kind of an insult, kind of a slap in the face to those people to assume that a rugby player from overseas can come in and just figure out how to hand off, how to take a handoff and just run for a touchdown every time. I love Christian Wade. It's an awesome story. He seems like a wonderful guy. I made a comment to Nick earlier in this offseason that even if Christian Wade wasn't essentially gifted to the Bills, he seems like the kind of guy Sean McDermott would have gone out and got anyway. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there's a path to the roster. So with that said, I think there's a point of confusion and I, I don't actually have this answer. I'm going to put you on the spot. And if you don't have it, I'll look it up and I'll tell everyone the answer on Tuesday, but can the bills put him on the practice squad without having, without him having to clear waivers? No, he has to clear waivers. Um, Buffalo rumblings, editor in chief, Matt Warren actually confirmed that with the team that he is subject to waivers when he, he have to put him on the practice squad, he is exposed to some other team's 53-man roster when that happens. But they have to sign them him to their 53-man roster. Yes. And that, I mean, for the reasons Bruce just told you, that's very unlikely. That should pretty much close the discussion on Christian Wade. Everyone's rooting for him, and I think he has a chance to be part of the mix in 2020. And the best thing for him is going to be an entire year being around an NFL team, learning the game. I watched practice for two days in Spartanburg. He gets very few reps. And so that learning curve isn't even accelerated in any way, shape, or form just because he's not getting the opportunities. All right, so another running back here, Bruce, is it four? I mean, is this, is this come down to a TJ Yeldon, Sonoris Perry conversation, or uh, do you want to move on? I think we go with Sonoris Perry here. I, I know, I understand he fumbled the ball. Like, okay. I understand that he got a, his wrist slapped for the same reason that TJ Yeldon got his wrist slapped in the first preseason game. But as you look across the previously 40 people we had on here, we had a couple special teams standouts. We had Patrick DeMarco. We had Andre Roberts. We have Saran Neal who can play well in that spot. But we don't have enough stalwarts, and we need somebody else there, especially if we're going to make an improvement in Heath Farwell's first year as a special teams coordinator with how poor our special teams have historically been over the last couple of years. You're going to need people like Perry. I understand he fumbled the ball, but if he's touching the ball on a normal game, something's gone horribly wrong anyway. I don't think there's a whole lot that TJ Yeldon can do to usurp Perry's spot at this point. I really don't. Yeah, the value there, when you're talking bottom of the roster guys at special teams, Perry's the better special teams player. Yeldon might be the better running back, but honestly, that's not what RB5 is all about. I'm with you. I think that that closes the case with running backs. We have five. 
and Sonoris Perry gets the nod over TJ Yeldon. All right, wide receiver. I'm res- I'm going to skip this. I'm skipping wide receiver. Let's move on to tight end. Um, we've Croft, Knox, and Smith. I think that we can bump up Tommy Sweeney into the mix. He's been getting first team reps all camp long. He caught two really nice passes from Josh Allen against the Panthers. You saw Josh Allen look for him early against the Colts. He's a baseline guy across the board, and that has a lot of value in a room that has been banged up. I think his chemistry that he's built in addition to his baseline skill set gives him a spot on this football team. I think he's I think for this experiment today, he's he's in. Absolutely, he's in. And really, you might think to yourself, that sounds a little odd, but if you just break it binary, okay, Tommy Sweeney or Jason Kroom, Tommy Sweeney, Tommy Sweeney or Keith Trowbridge, Tommy Sweeney, Tommy Sweeney or Kyle Carter, Tommy Sweeney, Tommy Sweeney or Nate Becker, Tommy Sweeney. So the question really isn't if Tommy Sweeney deserves a spot. It's are they going to keep five? Yeah, and I don't think they will, Bruce. I think this is, is four guys, and I think it's a closed discussion on tight ends. I agree. Okay. So we have... That I change a four tight ends that brings the total roster to 42 guys. We've got 11 spots in several positions still to get to here. Uh, next up is the offensive line. I have, remember, we have four Dawkins, Feliciano, Spain, and Secchi Morse. Uh, we're probably going to pick a couple more guys here. Is there anyone that stands out in this remaining bucket that you think we need to go ahead and slide up? Spencer Long. I agree. Spencer Long needs to be up. The fact that he has three position versatility on the inside, especially with Mitch Morse, means that having Long and having Feliciano means you don't have to carry Russell Bodine. Yep. And I think that's a good enough reason. Okay, so that puts that at a seven. Uh, I think this is there's still a spot or two left here. Anyone that you're predictively thinking we need to go ahead and bump up? I think even though Wyatt Teller has two position versatility and not three, I think it's left guard, right guard for Wyatt Teller. I think having two guards who also serve as your second slash third team center means you could potentially carry another guard. I think Wyatt Teller's got a shot there. Okay, so we're, I agree that he's in, but we have to both agree. So we're going to bump him up right now and bring this number to eight. Is that a Absolutely. consensus? Yep. Okay. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Okay, I think we should move on. But I think there's some discussions potentially be had there with the guy like maybe Ryan Bates. But let's come back. This is a numbers game, right? It only could be 53. We have eight offensive linemen. Defensive tackles is closed. That moves us to defensive end where we have Hughes, Lawson, and Murphy. And I think there's at least a player or two that needs to be bumped up here. Any locks in your opinion, Bruce? I don't think there's any locks. Right now, I think really it's a Mike Love, Daryl Johnson discussion. I really do. I don't think Eddie Yarborough, based on how he played last year, based on the reps he's been getting, based on who he's been running with in the preseason, I think he's clearly fallen behind when it comes to that. At right now, I'm going to go with Daryl Johnson because I think draft picks get priority. And I also think Daryl Johnson's physical tools are something that you don't think you're going to be able to get him through waivers to the practice squad. I think you go with Daryl Johnson in that spot. Okay. So I'm agreeing with you on Daryl Johnson. That brings it to four. Perhaps there's a course for Mike love, but it's probably something we need to come back to. I don't want to close this out, but I think we need to come back and see if there's a spot for Mike love. When Greg and I did this last Monday, Greg made a good point that there's practice squad eligibility there for Mike love. Now, if he's a, if he's worth his salt as a pass rusher, right? Like he's going to get signed to somebody's team. So there is some risk there, but 
you're not going to expose the tools of Daryl Johnson. And for the sake of where we're at with this discussion right now, I think we're comfortable leaving it at four. And if we can come back and, and there's a realistic course for Mike Love, we'll get there. But I think for now, that's one of the big danglers in this discussion. At linebacker, man, this is the tough one. We've got Edmonds, Milano, and Lorenzo Alexander. Bruce, any names here that you think we need to go ahead and bump up and, and consider as part of this mix? I would have never said this a couple months ago, but I think Corey Thompson. Corey Thompson has been running with the ones. He's been getting the praise. If you listen closely enough, the coaches will tell you what their depth chart should look like. And Corey Thompson has been getting the reps and has been getting the run and has been getting the praise. And I think Corey Thompson's a lock at this point. Okay, I agree with you. And there's probably room for another couple guys here. Um, Mo Alexander pops out to me. He's on all the first run with the, with the primary special teams. They love him in dime. Uh, versatility there. He's been getting a lot of run with the twos. Brought in specifically for Heath Farewell and special teams. Kind of the Sonoris Perry conversation. Are you ready to bump him up or do you think I'm getting ahead of myself? So, funny story here. You mentioned Sonoris Perry. I wonder, and I wondered this out loud the other day during the game, I wonder if low-key Mo Alexander and Sonoris Perry are fighting for one spot. Mm. I know they play opposite positions, but with the idea being that linebacker, five and running back five are primarily special teams players. You wonder if there's a low key competition across positions for Perry and Mo Alexander. And in my case, when I was thinking about it, I kept Perry over him. Okay. So right now we're, we're, we're not agreeing here and that's good. That's why we're having this conversation. Is there a different linebacker that you want to pine for here that see if I agree with you? I kept Julian Stanford here. And the reason I kept Julian Stanford is because he was the first man up last year and he gives you the special teams that Mo Alexander gives you, but he also gives you more positional run as a true linebacker. So if you say, okay, I'm not going to get my quote unquote pure special teamer in Mo Alexander, but I got that in Perry, but I'm going to use the fact that I didn't get a pure special teamer. I'm going to lower my special teams prowess just a little bit in exchange for getting more positional run, which is what I get in Julian Stanford. I agree with you. I think they want him to be the backup Mike. He's the first man up last year. He plays all the special teams. I think there's a lot of logic there. I'm bumping him up. That brings our linebacker total to five. Anyone else we need to get into here? Any danglers? Are we done with linebackers? We still have Vashon Joseph. We still have Deion Lacey. I feel like we got to talk about Vashon Joseph. Because he's a draft pick, we have to talk about him. We and and not not a you know not a high draft pick by any means, but the fact that he was a draft pick and the fact that Voshan Joseph's skill set lines well with special teams earlier in the career. Voshan Joseph was at his best at Florida when the coaches said, "Hey, Voshan, what? See ball? Yeah, get ball." Yeah, that was when he was at his best, and that skill set has a tendency to translate really well toward special teams early in your career while you're learning the nuances and the instincts that go along with playing the linebacker position. I think there's a case to be made that Voshan, plus him being a draft pick, could end up as linebacker six. I'll move him up if you're willing. I'm willing. Okay, that puts us to six. Is this case closed? Do we come back to this? Deion Lacey, Mo Alexander, still not in the mix here. I have made some tough decisions, but I feel confident. Okay, so we have 48 of 53 roster spots filled. Are we closing the door on linebacker, or is it still open? I'm closing it. Okay, 
All right, it's done. So maybe there's some surprise there, but this is the numbers game, right? This is the challenging part of this discussion. You cannot keep all of these players. And in our scenario right now, Deion Lacey and Mo Alexander are out. Let's shift over to cornerback where we have five names already. Trey White, Levi Wallace, Kevin Johnson, Teron Johnson, Saran Neal. Now, I think it's probably best when having the rest of this discussion at quarterback is to identify the guys we don't need to talk about. And I think their names are Denzel Rice, Cameron Lewis, and Ryan Lewis. Absolutely. This is a Captain Munnerlyn Lafayette Pitts discussion. Is it an either or? Is there a path for both? Where do you see this right now? I saw it as Lafayette Pitts up until recently. And then I watched (laughs) Captain Munnerlyn get a lot of run with special teams mm-hmm. early in the game against the Panthers. And I don't think it was to help him get shots at his old teammates. I think it was an audition. I think it's a, Hey, if we can get experienced leadership at the cornerback position and potentially still get special teams prowess, maybe that allows us to not carry Lafayette Pitts. I think it was an audition. I think they were trying to groom captain Muller and go, Hey, you know, we know he can play. We know Sean McDermott has experience with him. Can he run in Lafayette Pitts' place at a high level in special teams? And I think I, I looked at it. I think he looked fine. I would say he's got the edge for that spot. I agree with you. I agree with you. I've wavered on that back and forth. Uh, but I think there's something very intentional about his, his role on this football team. And I believe that he's in. That brings it to six corners. Is this a case closed for you? Yep. Okay. Goodbye, Lafayette Pitts. Thanks for your time. All right, that brings us over to safety. We have 49 of 53 spots, so we have four spots left. We have safety, which is probably going to claim two of those spots. Uh, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, the locks. Any immediate name that jumps out to you that we need to bump up? Kirk Coleman. He has the experience. He is the Captain Munnerlin of the safety group. He has the experience playing the positions. He understands the way Sean McDermott wants to run defense. The fact that he can back up both of them I think gives him positional versatility. He can back up Mike Hyde. He can also back up Jordan Poyer. I think there's value there, and I think he's going to make this team. I agree with you. We have three spots left. I definitely think we need to bump in a wide receiver. We don't. I need to just pick that right now, don't I? I need to do this. I know. I think we need to leave this safety discussion so that I can settle this wide receiver because we got to close out some positions here. This comes down to obviously, in my opinion, Duke Williams, Ray Ray McLeod, and Isaiah McKenzie. And am really difficult. I mean, I think as the weeks go on here, it becomes more challenging. I think over the course of the last three weeks, I could have told you a different player. Now, becoming a victim of the moment, Duke Williams feels like the name, right? He just came off a really good performance against the Carolina Panthers, played special teams. He gives you that size dynamic that really doesn't exist anywhere else in this wide receiving core. And you like that about him. You also like what Isaiah McKenzie has shown this preseason, making plays down the field. And then, of course, aided by very good blocks from DeAndre Wesley and Wyatt Teller, he had the big run after catch against uh, Carolina on Friday night. Um, But he also, that was the only offensive snap that he played. Of course, with John Brown being out, you know that Sean McDermott was being intentional about giving some guys some different reps. And then there's the Ray Ray McLeod discussion and how much they've raved about him all offseason long and how he's done everything they've asked him to do in terms of the exit interview. And so this is a really difficult decision. Make sure that you listen to the Nick and Nolan show on Wednesday to get a really in-depth look at these options. And as I've talked myself through this and tried to buy some time, I don't feel any better about my choice. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do I become a victim of the moment? See, that, the thing about Duke Williams is there's something different about him. And, and Ray Ray McLeod and Isaiah McKenzie, I get everything that they offer in different players that are already part of the mix. <sighs> Bruce, I'm struggling. Um, I'm going to be a victim of the moment. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to go with Duke Williams. I'm going to tell you why I'm doing this. It comes down to the complementary skill sets that he's a different type of player, but also that Greg and I had a, kind of a candid conversation with Ch Chad Hall at joint practices, and he went out of his way to, to mention that he really likes what Duke Williams is doing. Uh, I, I know that Sean McDermott loves to reward players that really work hard, and I'm not saying that McKenzie and McLeod haven't done that, but I think the, the uni uniqueness of his skill set and um, – just the dynamics of him being a different type of player. I'm giving him the edge, and that is my my choice. And you don't get to say anything about it. So there's six, six wide receivers. But I do think we can close that position. We have two roster spots left. We have safety, defensive end, and offensive line open. And I think we should probably go back to safety now because I think there will definitely be one more safety. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's going to be Jaquan Johnson. Yep. And I think this is a balancing tool. When you look across the positions, you can't just look at the positions as columns. You also have to look at them as rows. And I said earlier that Captain, Captain Munnerlin made the team over Lafayette Pitts, and Voshan Joseph and Julian Stanford made it over Mo Alexander. Where are you going to get back that special team's prowess? You're going to get it back at safety, with the fourth safety. And Jaquan Johnson is, I hate using this term, he's a football player, right? If he, was, <laughs> if he tested better... This he wouldn't have been as a late of a round pick as he was. But the fact of the matter is he just wasn't gifted with elite physical traits. He just doesn't have them. And that's okay, but there's a place on the roster for people like that. And it's as your for safety for someone who can develop into maybe even a better special teams player than Mo Alexander was. Jaquan Johnson has the hitter mentality. He has that 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 mentality and the instincts that allow him to play really well on special teams. And I think this is where you essentially atone for the special team sins that you committed at linebacker and cornerback. You ready to close safety with four guys? Absolutely. Okay. It's close. Now this is, <laughs> this is fun. We have 52 spots and we have, we haven't closed the discussion at offensive line, despite there being eight of them. We have closed the discussion at defensive end. We have four with Mike Love dangling. And we have one roster spot left. And maybe, just maybe, we need to bring back a wide receiver. And maybe either McLeod or McKenzie should be in the mix. Um, and so I don't want to give away too much of your wide receiver takes. But are you comfortable with wide receiver being closed? Or do you think that I need to reconsider and bring somebody else back into this mix and get to seven? For the purposes of this conversation, let's close it. Okay, it's closed. So we have one roster spot. And I think we needed to settle between Mike Love or another offensive lineman. Do we agree there? I agree. Okay. Now, let's, uh, now it's time to make some tough decisions. Now, the good news is neither you nor I have to have conversations with any of these players that we're cutting. Uh, so let's, let's keep it honest here. Is the value in keeping a ninth offensive lineman or a fourth defensive end in Mike Love? Now, the challenging thing for me is that Mike Love you know, we talked about Lorenzo Alexander and how he can come down and play edge for you. And so you kind of already have that built in fifth defensive end. Um, and are you going to keep six? And then you go over to this offensive line and you think Brandon Bean's done so much to get this thing right in front of Josh Allen this year. And the last thing you want to do 
is let a, a position that's already suffered injuries become a, a, a even more of an issue by not making sure that you have the depth there. And so do you have a sway in terms of it being Mike Love or another offensive lineman? I think it's another offensive lineman, and I'll tell you why. All right, it's well, I'll tell you that I agree with you, and I'll close defensive end. So that way we could just get lasered in. All right, so we're All done right. with defensive end. It's time to pick an offensive lineman, and I'm ready for your rant. Okay. It's not just a ninth offensive lineman. It's a swing tackle. It's a specific position that is prioritized by teams across the league. If Ty Seki is your starting right tackle, you have decisions to make when one of your tackles goes down. If Deion Dawkins goes down, are you really going to flip Inseki to the left and then push Ford out to the right tackle and then plug in a guard? Are you going to change three positions on your starting offensive line because of one injury? You know, I hate or, it. <laughs> or are you going to pick somebody and you're going you're gonna to say, listen, I know. I know that they're not necessarily ideal. We would prefer Adrian Waddle here. But in order to avoid completely ending up with a cluster on the offensive line, I need a swing tackle. And right now we don't have one. Whether that's Ryan Bates, okay. Whether we think DeAndre Wesley could be that guy, okay. Maybe we think Jerron Jones can be that guy. That's fine too. But I think it's got to be an offensive lineman, and it's got to be somebody who you say we can live. Maybe not necessarily live a nice life, but live a perfectly reasonable life if this person is forced to plug one spot on the offensive line to keep us from changing three. Bruce, this is where I hate keeping five running backs. I mean, really, this is – I mean – you have five running backs and four tight ends. And and this is – I would love to keep another receiver and I'd love to keep another offensive lineman. But we're being predictive here, right? This is what we think the Bills will do. Yes. And and I, I go back to, you know, you have good sound reasoning there about the priority of having that versatile offensive tackle. Uh, and then just I, I don't think Brandon Bean went into this year to have concerns about offensive line. And so going heavy there kind of plays into that. And and certainly I think our, our process is good in terms of being predictive. You got a name here? Oh gosh. Cause Ryan Bates, right? Like that he was traded, but he almost immediately started playing on the interior. And because of the mobility and because of the length concerns, you kind of feel like he should, probably should have been interior the whole time. I'm not entirely sure you can classify him as a tackle. I, I, I agree with you. I'm going to pull up the snap distribution uh, right now. Hopefully my computer is really fast uh, as terms of where Ryan Bates played in the preseason game against the Carolina Panthers. And if you have anything to say that will buy me about 30 seconds, that would be great. Yeah, I can buy you 30 seconds. Let's talk about Connor McDermott. Let's talk about Connor McDermott, how he's feeling, because we haven't really spent a lot of time there. He was the next man up after Adrian Waddle went down. And I think there's a discussion to be made that Connor McDermott wouldn't necessarily have been the first choice. Obviously, it would have been Adrian Waddle. I actually think that this was a lot easier before Waddle got hurt. But the drop-off from Waddle to McDermott is so significant that now it's making us question it, where previously we wouldn't have questioned keeping nine offensive linemen. Uh, Ryan Bates, he played 50 snaps for the Bills against the Carolina Panthers. And well, one of them was on special teams and 49 of those were at center. Do you need four centers? Absolutely not. (laughs) That's excessive. So this goes back to a Connor McDermott conversation. And he's been on this team for two years. I, I think he gets the ninth spot. I really do. 
I think he gets the ninth spot because as much as we would prefer Adrian Waddle to be in that spot, I also think they prefer not to shift three people when a tackle gets hurt. I agree with you, Bruce. It's done. We have a 53-man roster with nine offensive linemen. Um, any themes here? Any closing thoughts as we reflect upon this roster that we agreed upon? The fact that we have so many draft picks making the team, Voshan Joseph making the team, Jaquan Johnson making the team, Daryl Johnson making the team, the fact that none of those late-round players are immediately written off can be viewed as one of two ways. Number one, wow, we're really drafting well. Or two, uh, we didn't like quite get the, the value that we wanted from some of these lower tier players on the roster. I choose to believe that the fact that in a team that is as deep as it has been in years, the fact that we still were forced to carve out spots for Daryl Johnson, Voshan Joseph, and Jaquan Johnson speaks to the possibility that maybe this draft class, class wasn't just Ed Oliver and the monotones. Maybe it was a really well-rounded draft class that with people, people who can contribute in lots of different ways, not necessarily stars across the board, but people who can play in this league. Uh, Bruce, that reminds me of a discussion that I had reflecting back on the Bills 2017 class where it was, uh, or excuse me, the 2018 class where it was, oh, this is the Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds draft. And the meanwhile, I'm sitting there screaming, yo, you guys need to know about Teron Johnson and Saran Neal. And Look, I don't, I mean, even Wyatt Teller was a guy I was high on. And so the Bills are finding a way, and I talked about this with Nate Geary on WGR on on Friday, or excuse me, on Saturday. It's not that the Bills are just hitting on their first round picks under the McDermott Bean era. Obviously, we're excited about Tredavious White and Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, and Ed Oliver, but there are so many day three guys that are contributing on this football team, not just because of a need, but because they're earning important roles. And you look on day three of all of those draft classes, whether it's Matt Milano, uh, whether it's Wyatt Teller, Saran Neal, Teron Johnson, guys like Tommy Sweeney, Daryl Johnson, Jaquan Johnson, Vashon Joseph, the drafting top to bottom has really set this football team up very well to take that next step in addition to the cap space that has been cleared by getting rid of all the dead cap and, of course, bringing in some really nice complimentary free agents. Feels like we got some competent guys running this football team. I would agree. It's almost a little eerie to me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 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 where's my dysfunction? Where is my, where is my seventh-round pick making the team sim- simply because we have no better options? Where mm-hmm. is the bills that I've been used to during the entire 2000s? And I don't, I'll level with you. I don't think I miss it. I don't think I miss it. I mean, looking across the board here, players that were on this football team last year, guys like Marcus Murphy, Ray Ray McLeod, uh, Keith Tobridge was on this football team. Jason Kroom, Ike Botker, Russell Bodine. Uh, let's see here. Eddie Yarborough, Mike Love at the end, Dion Lacey, Lafayette Pitts, Dean Marlowe. I, it, there's a lot of competition and a lot of upgrades through and through. That The reason those guys didn't make this football team is because there's better football players that should in front of them. And it speaks to, uh, speaks to a deep roster, which is really refreshing. I am ready for real football, and I'm ready to find out what they're going to do with this 53-man roster. And I, I'll bet, I'd be willing to bet a fair amount of money that if you ask me a week from now, my whole fandom will have influenced my Connor McDermott or my Sonoris Perry or my Captain Munnerlyn takes. <laughs> but that's what the offseason's for. Let's do it, man. 
You've been listening to Bruce Nolan on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. He's the co-host of the Nick and Nolan Show. As we teased earlier, this Wednesday's show with the Nick and Nolan Show is all about wide receiver six. And so find out whether or not he agrees with me. And make sure that you do that. Do that for me on Wednesday. Pick a wide receiver six. I will get do that it. From all right. I will and absolutely make, do it. Make Nick do it too, and even if he disagrees. <laughs> I'll do it. All right, I'm looking forward to that. Make sure that you are subscribed, that you share, that you rate, you review this podcast, as well as the Nick and Nolan Show. I'll be back again for you tomorrow. It's Twitter Tuesday. Make sure you get them in. The hashtag is Twitter Tuesday. My handle is at the Joe Marino. You can also send me an email, joe at thedraftnetwork.com. I'll probably record the podcast early Monday afternoon, so make sure you get them in Monday, hopefully before lunchtime. That way I can get to everyone and get the show recorded and ready for you on Tuesday morning for release. He's Bruce. I'm Joe, and we'll talk to you guys next time.